the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You are listening to hour number two Bruce Hooley Show. Uh, what I had planned will yield for the moment at the top of the hour. We have a live press conference in Uvalde, Texas. Here's a spokesman for the Texas Department of Public Safety with the latest on the investigation into the school shooting that resulted in the death of 19 children and two teachers. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. My name is Stephen McCraw, Director of Texas Department of Public Safety. On Tuesday, the District Attorney for the 38th Judicial District Rosina Mitchell requested that the Texas Rangers under the Department of Public Safety assume lead responsibility of this horrific murder of 19 innocent child and two adults. Our goal today is to provide the parents, the community of Uvalde, the public, as much information as we can on where we are on the investigation. We're here to report the facts as we know them now not to defend what was done or to criticize what was done or the actions taken. I'll begin first and foremost with the timeline as we know it. Second, the second timeline I'll discuss is the 911 timeline. Then we'll talk about the relevant social or digital media footprint of the subject. And we'll also have plenty of time for questions at that point. At 1127, we know from video evidence, at 1127, the exterior door suspected of what the, where we knew the, the shooter entered, Ramos, was propped open by a teacher. 1128, the suspect vehicle crashes into the ditch, as previously described. The teacher runs to the room 132 to retrieve a phone, and that same team teacher walks back to the exit door, and door remains propped open. There were two males, as reported by Regional Director Escalon yesterday, there were two males at a funeral home that when they heard the crash, they went to the crash scene. When they arrived at the crash scene before they got there, they saw a man with a gun exit the passenger side with a backpack, and they immediately began running. Ramos began shooting at him did not hit him. One of the males fell when he was running. Both males returned to the funeral home while they're running. And then again, we see through video, teacher reemerges inside the school in panic and apparently calls 911. 911 call at 1130. There was a crash, man with a gun. 1131. The suspect reaches last row of vehicles in the school parking lot. 
1131, the suspect shooting began at the school while patrol vehicles got to the funeral home. I'll point out where it is. So you were listening to a press conference in Uvalde, Texas, with a Texas Department of Public Safety officer. His name is Stephen McGraw. He was talking about the timeline on the events. The events of the shooting day uh, initially were incorrectly reported, and now we're getting a better rendering of what exactly happened. Consolidated ISD for Uvalde had officer, was a resource officer, had confronted the subject. That did not happen, as Artie Escalon talked about yesterday. It was certainly stated in preliminary interviews, but often these preliminary interviews and a a cursory walkthrough doesn't reveal the type of information, and certainly, you know, police officers, like anyone else, under stress, sometimes witnesses get it wrong. But the bottom line is that officer was not on scene, not on campus, but had heard the 911 call with a man with a gun, drove immediately to the area, sped to what he thought was the man with a gun, to the back of the school, what turned out to be a teacher, and not the suspect. In doing so, he drove right by the suspect who was hunkered down behind a vehicle where he began shooting at the school. Eleven thirty-one. the suspect shooting in between the vehicle is when it began while patrol vehicle gets to the funeral home. Multiple shots are fired outside the school at 11.31. Patrol car accelerates into the parking lot drives by the shooter. That's exactly what I was talking about. That was the ISD officer at that time. He passes and then leaves the camera view. There's multiple shots fired at the school at 11.32, at 11.32, 27, at 11.32, 36. At 11.33 is when the suspect entered the school at the door that I'm pointing to now. At 11.33, the suspect begins shooting into room 111 or 112. It's not possible to determine from the video angle that we have at this point in time. We do know this, that he shot more than 100 rounds based on the audio evidence at that time, at least 100 rounds. He entered at 11.33, or 11.33, he started shooting in the classrooms, well, 111 and 112. And 11.35, three police officers entered the same door as the suspect entered, all three of those police officers worked for the Uvalde Police Department. They were later followed by another four, a team of Uvalde police officers, three, and also a, a, a county sheriff, county deputy sheriff. So a total of seven officers were on the scene. The three initial police officers that arrived went directly to the door, and two received grazing wounds at that time from the suspect while the door was closed. At 11.37, there was more gunfire. Another 16 rounds was fired at 11.37. One at 11.37 and 16 seconds, 11.38, 11.40, 11.44. At 11.51, a police sergeant and USB agent started to arrive. At 12.03, you know, officers get, continued to arrive in the hallway, and there were as many as 19 officers at that time in that hallway. At 12.15, we know that BORTAC members arrive. Not the entire BORTAC, but members of BORTAC, along with Shields. At 12.21, 
So from this timeline that the officer is detailing right now, here's what we can discern from what he's saying. Uh, the, the excitement of the moment, the panic of the moment, uh, led to officers who were on scene to find the shooter, driving by the shooter who was hiding behind a car in a parking lot. Uh, from the time he entered the school at 1133 um, until 1201, uh, the shooter was not uh, was in his classrooms and he was not confronted by any officers. He had fired, he had wounded two officers. Uh, the spokesman said that at 1201 there were not additional officers who arrived at the school, putting the total of officers in the school building at 19 officers. At 12.15, the uh, Border Patrol agents began to arrive, 12.15, which is 45 minutes or so, actually 47 to be precise, from the time the suspect um, crashed his truck and got out of his truck with with a rifle, fired at two men who had seen him crash the truck and came to assist. He began firing at them. It's 45 minutes now until the Border Patrol agents arrive. So there are 19 officers in that school, and we'll find out why. Uh, They did not attempt to enter the classroom, and in fact, the shooter was not uh, shot by a Border Patrol agent until 1 p.m. At least the announcement of the shooter's death came at 1 p.m. That's what I should be as precise as I can be, because I don't want to put out um, inaccurate information. And understandably, a lot of questions asked about why did it take so long. And those are fair questions to ask. The, the um, parents, the grandparents, the people who love the victims are entitled to those answers. Um, the rest of us less so, but it certainly is uh, something that uh, we are entitled to know. So I would uh, hope that, you know, there is... Um, complete and total disclosure on all this, and uh, we'll find it out. What, what I believe, what, what I draw from this is there's this insatiable desire to 2020 hindsight and second-guess everything that's done, and if you'd, shun, if you'd have done this, the result would have been different. Maybe so. Maybe so. The desire that we all have to preserve our own life is a desire that police officers in this situation are not permitted to have and not trained to have. They are trained to put that desire second behind the um, effort to save innocent lives in a a school. And it does not appear that the officers uh, had that priority as their top priority For whatever reason, I don't know what the training is. I don't know what the protocol is. I don't know who gave what order. We do not have clarity on that at this point in time. But uh, we are getting a clearer picture, if not a crystal clear picture, of what happened in Uvalde, Texas. So we'll keep you abreast of those details as they become available. Uh, We'll talk with Matt Mayer at 1230. Uh, More to come on The Bruce Hooley Show. Bruce Hooley Show on The Answer. I wanted to play one final comment from Stephen McGraw, the Texas Department of Public Safety Director. 
There have been reports in the last 24 hours that Uvalde, Texas police learned of and neutralized a school shooting threat in Uvalde years ago and that a 13 and a 14-year-old were the guys plotting the shooting. And the insinuation that we've drawn from that is that the shooter in this instant was one of those two shooters, or one of those two would-be shooters. Uh, Stephen McGraw, Texas Department of Public Safety, addressed that in Uvalde, Texas, a few moments ago. Some of the questions that we received, that we have already received, and one of those is, is going around now that there's, that uh, in fact the subject had been one of the two arrested by the Texas Rangers and the local police back in 2018. That's not the case. He was not one of the individuals. In fact, we have found no links, associations, and relationships in that investigation. Clearly, it was a threat. It was back in 2018. Uh, the two juveniles were charged with attempted or conspiracy to commit capital murder. There's no question that we thought, and we had evidence, and certainly the district attorney agreed that these juveniles, 113, 114 years old, was a threat to Uvalde. And there was a discussion at that time, even the senior year of the one that was 14 years old, which would make it 2022. Uh, however, that was not the subject. So there you go. So this is how things get started, reported, repeated. And so that underscores the importance of waiting to get facts. Facts matter. Feelings often obscure facts. Case in point. Our former president, Barack Obama, has been on a social media campaign this week to keep alive the memory of George Floyd. And he even tried to tie it to the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, as ridiculous and insane as that is. Uh, Obama's back at it with another post today that said, In the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, a new generation of activists rose up to channel their anguish into organized action. Yes, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and George Floyd, all black men who died in some kind of a confrontation with police, uh, confrontations that have been horribly uh, mischaracterized, phrases that have uh, purported to have been spoken that were never spoken, like hands up, don't shoot, has given rise to a new generation of activists, a new generation of grifters who have done nothing, nothing, the numbers say nothing, to reduce the murder rate among black Americans in America's major cities. That murder rate has, in fact, skyrocketed since the murder of George Floyd. And in today's Columbus Dispatch, a classic example of the exaggeration, kindest way to say it, lies, a very loud way to say it, but also a very accurate way to say it. It is a lie. By uh, what appears to be, uh, well, the reporter's name is Micah Walker. Micah appears to be, I, I, I Micah is African-American. I can't tell from the picture because it's a tiny picture and it's, 
you know, I just can't tell. Male, female, Micah could be either one. doesn't matter. It's an African-American reporter. And in the story, an, an African-American woman, Lisa McClymont, is quoted. She is an artist of some sort. She's uh, drawn murals that have been used in various points of the city to, uh, you know, talk about this issue. What's interesting in this story is Micah Walker, African-American reporter, writes this uh, about uh, Miss McClymont and her art. While she's proud of how her art has endured, McClymont fears that the message of a movement that once seemed universal has been overshadowed by more incidents of police violence. What do you think the first incident of police violence that Micah Walker is going to cite will be? Among them, on the day that Chauvin was convicted in Minneapolis of Floyd's murder, Micaiah Bryant, a 16-year-old black girl in Columbus, was shot and killed by a Columbus police officer as she attempted to stab a young black woman, sparking more protests in the city. Um, the officer in this case was extremely tardily exonerated of all wrongdoing. For her, for this reporter to name Micaiah Bryant as an example of police violence toward black citizens tells you everything you need to know about the Columbus Dispatch and Micah Walker's commitment to truth on this issue. Later in the story, and this would have been a much better example, Micah Walker brings up Andre Hill and Casey Goodson. We don't have a final rendering on either case yet, but those certainly are much closer to fitting the narrative that Micah Walker is peddling hard to push. So what I would say in these instances, national, Barack Obama, local, Micah Walker, if you want people to take you seriously, if you want people to share your emotions over the causes you cite, you must be truthful. You must be truthful. Because when you lie, and you are lying by injecting Micaiah Bryant needlessly into this story, then do not wonder why no one takes you seriously because you are not doing what one must do to be taken seriously, which is honesty, integrity, character, transparency. You have a narrative. You want to shape reality to your narrative. The cases of Andre Hill and Casey Goodson don't, in your estimation, as you wrote this story, Michael Walker, or as you issued these moronic tweets, Barack Obama, make the point you want to make. You've got to add a little to it. You've got to expound a little bit, fudge it, polish off the rough edges. Well, those of us who prize truth uh, know when we're being lied to. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.